0: I know mean, like every day. So, like lately, has been like this beautiful gift. A little chilly at night, but it's good sleeping weather. And then it's just like nice and warm, makes you want to go out and drink some hot apple cider and all that fun stuff. And do yard work yet? Yeah, right? I mean, still got yard work, playing with the leaves, playing with all that fun stuff. It is so fun. Well, we want to welcome you to Asbury Church this morning. We're so glad that we get to get, uh, get to come together. And to just reflect on God's Word, we're in the midst of a 50-day series uh, entitled Arising to the Challenge, and it's about how do we live out our yes to Jesus in a way that honors, him's, honors Him and reflects His purpose. And, and the idea we've been uh, beginning around is the idea found in Mark chapter 8, where Jesus says to His disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And so we recognize there's this invitation that Jesus says, listen, I want to challenge you and stretch you to move beyond just a self-centered life in order that you might come to know true life. And so we've looked at a variety of different uh, topics. We've looked at some different disciplines. And today we're going to talk about embracing the welcome. Now, I don't know how you grew up. I'll tell you a little bit how I grew up. We grew up and we would have people over all the time. Like you'd go to church on Sunday, and then after church on Sunday, you'd have someone over to your house, or maybe you'd go out to eat. It happened on Sunday mornings, and then it would happen Sunday evenings. Uh, we come together, we play games, we play cards, we do we do Pentecostal poker. How many know about Pentecostal poker? Okay, that's called Rook, and because uh, we weren't allowed to pay, play face cards growing up, so but we could play Rook, and boy, did we love Rook. And, and we played games, and so in our house, we always had people coming. And you know what? I believe that, that this connecting, this relationship, doing church outside of a service is so important. Because following Jesus isn't just about believing, it's also about belonging. And so today, as we look at our challenge, I think this is a fun challenge. How many are ready for a fun challenge? This fun challenge, you guys just like, I don't know about this, I'm not sure. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not sure yet. All right, this is the challenge. The challenge is this. It is the discipline, because you hear discipline, you're like, oh, that's just going to be terrible. It's the discipline of connecting. The discipline of connecting. That, you know what, we have to be very intentional about connecting. And the big idea we're going to think around is this, that today's welcome makes room for changed lives, that today's welcome makes room for changed lives. And so we're going to talk about embracing the welcome. And so if you have your Bibles, turn turn with me to Luke chapter 19, and we are going to look at the story of a wee little man. And remember the story of the wee little man? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he... He climbed up in a sycamore. See, you can you tell who's been to Sunday school. <laughs> I know this one. Some of you are like going, what is wrong with these strange people? And uh, it's the fact that we went to Sunday school and we sang about a wee little man. He was Scottish. No, I'm just I'm not sure what he was. Um, but he was a wee little man. And, and, and so what, what's amazing about this, so Luke is going to record the story of Zacchaeus and I mentioned something last week about Luke, the author, and it's important for us to think about this again, um, and that's this. Luke is writing his gospel as an outsider. He's writing from the perspective of an outsider. Now, how many of you have ever been an outsider? Okay, it, for, for some people, you have moved to New York, and how many know, even though you may have moved to New York, you can some, sometimes still feel like an outsider. You're like, oh my goodness, are these people ever going to let me in? It's like, it's New York, welcome to New York, right? Welcome to New York, to New York. You know, but, but you know what it's like to be an outsider. How many of you were at school were a part of the outsider group? You know, you were, you were like not the cool one. You weren't the popular one. We homeschooled and all of our children were the outsiders. Like, they didn't fit anywhere. No, I'm just kidding. But you know what it's like. So I remember we had a, we had a sweet friend who used to come to Asbury Church. She, she ended up getting married and moving away. But I remember that, that, that conversation where we were sitting down, and she's just like, Dave, I hate to break it to you, but you're a nerd. I'm like going, well, yeah, I was. I was a part of that outsider group, right? And it was kind of funny, but we all come and we know what it's like to be an outsider. On the outside, looking in. Not always sure if we fit. And the reason is, is because, how many know, we all got issues. Look at your neighbor and say, surprise, I've got issues. Don't say, surprise, you've got issues. <laughs> but we've all got issues. And, and sometimes we don't feel we're good enough. We don't feel we're smart enough. Sometimes we're like, you don't know what I've been through. And we just kind of sit on the fringes on the outside. Luke knew what it was like to be an outsider. He was a Greek who had been touched by the message of Jesus. And he was one who experienced the transformation that the welcome of Jesus brings. And so because of it, throughout his gospel... You will find out that Luke continues to write stories about outsiders who are brought in because of Jesus. And so the story of Zacchaeus is ultimately another outsider who experiences the welcome of Jesus. And so we're going to read the whole text this morning. Usually I read a little bit and talk and read a little bit and talk. Um, we're just going to read the whole thing. And the reason is, is because my first point comes at the end. So this helps, right? Right? So this is what it says, verse one, Luke 19, verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. How many of you can identify with Zacchaeus? You're short, and you can't see over the crowd, right, Elsie? I love Elsie. She was telling me she's like the towering. I won't say how much she's towering at. shes well, You're 6'2 still, right? Sure. In her disposition, she's 6'2. But, but he, I love this, he was short and he could not see over the crowd. How many know when you're short? You have to improvise. Some of you at the grocery store, you're short and all the good stuff's way up top. Some of you, you climb the shelves just to get it. Some of you go find others, but he was short and he couldn't see over the crowd, and so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, I know some of us were already going, Zacchaeus, come down, for I'm going to your house for tea. That's what you're hearing, but he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How many of you know sinners are outsiders? Okay, in his group, in his time, the sinners were the outsiders. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Look at that. Verse 9. Today's salvation has come to this house. Boy, what an amazing story. I want to note three things about this story that that help us uh, embrace the welcome. The first is this. Salvation is a welcome i want you to think about salvation a little bit differently this morning so often when we talk about salvation we're talking about salvation as the forgiveness of sins and just so you know salvation is about and it is an amazing piece of what it is the gospel of jesus does, gospel of jesus does for us it saves us from our sins It helps us find separation from our past. It rescues us. It gives us hope, and it gives us life. How many are grateful that the gospel of Jesus Christ saves us from our sins? Because left to ourselves, how many of you, you can mess things up pretty quickly, right? The salvation of Jesus. But as we look at this story, I want us to see that salvation isn't just about the forgiveness of sins. So as we look at the story of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, um, he's known for a few things. We've already noted his diminutive stature. Not only that, he was a tax collector. Now, how many of you got on your speed dial list the tax collector? Like, it's the people you love to talk to. It's the people you like to run around with. Like, my homies be tax collectors. How many of of you you just don't like taxes? And anything related to it. And just so you know, it has been something that's been going on for many, many years. Right? Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And so, so tax collecting in, in Jesus' day looks a little different than our day. So tax collecting. So you got to remember. So you got the Roman Empire that is like governing this whole area. And Rome needed money, and and the the governor needed money, and so they would love to do things uh, for these government projects. They would require taxes. And instead of the Roman government hiring the IRS agents, what they would do is they would contract people to do the work for them. And so Zacchaeus got the job. Now, just so you know, he also happens to be Jewish, and so number one, he's a tax collector, which is a strike against him. But then on top of that, he's one that's even acting in a sense in betraying his own, his own countrymen, his own people, because he's working for the oppressors. So just so you know, there was like when, when it says, you know, that he's hanging out with sinners. Like if you were a tax collector, it's just like you are cut off. We want nothing to do with you. But he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief of tax collectors. That means that he was so good at his job, he had his own team working for him. Like he was he was a, a ruler of tax collectors. So it wasn't just bad enough that he did his own stuff, but he also had other people that were working for him. And as a tax collector, did you know in their day that, that Rome was just like this is the amount of tax that we need to get, and you're responsible to get that money, and then anything else extra that you need for you to live on, you can add that to the tax that people had to pay. You can see why they weren't family favorites, people you wanna have around. And so he was not only short, but he was a tax collector and a ruler of tax collectors, and as a result, he became wealthy what's amazing about the story is even though he's got lots, he was still missing something. How many know that you can have lots and lots but still be missing something? And that's where Zacchaeus is at. And so he hears that Jesus is in town, and so he goes to see him, and, and he has this encounter that changes everything. So much so that Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house, for the son of and they goes on to say that the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. See salvation is more than just forgiveness of sins. It also does something also that's absolutely amazing. And so we've talked about salvation as forgiveness of sins, but I want you to understand it as welcome. Because what salvation also does, it's also the restoration of community. The idea is, you don't have to be an outsider anymore. Again, where did Zacchaeus live? He, he lived outside the community, yet Jesus came to bring him into relationship. Now, if we go back to Genesis, we know, all the, we, we know the story of sin. And that wherever sin, that, that as it enters into humanity's story, we find out that sin begins to ruin relationships. It ruins our relationship with God, and then it begins to ruin relationship with one another so that that the second story about human relationships in the Bible after Adam and Eve, like their children, one of their sons kills another son. Because wherever sin is at work, what it does is it begins to undermine and it begins to ruin and wreck relationships. And we all know this to be true because there's people who who have sinned against us, and in sinning against us, we're like going, that's it. I want nothing to do with you, and we push people away. Or maybe you've done wrong to someone else, and they've pushed you away. Because wherever sin is at work, there's an isolation that begins to take place that all of a sudden, instead of being on the inside now, you're on the outside. But Luke wants people to understand that when salvation comes to a person, it doesn't just remove their sin, it also restores them in community. It restores them, and just so you know, this is such a big idea. So if you go to Acts, so Acts is also written by Luke. Luke writes the Gospel of Luke and he also writes Acts. And this idea of of restoration of community is so important for him that even in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God is poured out and and the the people who are in the upper room, those who are waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit, as they began to speak in the languages of the nations around them, there was this great crowd that comes around. And you remember Peter, Peter stands up and begins to preach. And he begins to share the message of Jesus coming in order to save people from their sins. And so what's great is is people at the end of it, he's like talking about Jesus and people like, what do we need to do to be saved? And Peter's like, repent and be baptized. And so people made this confession of faith in Christ Jesus, and then they were baptized. And then you know what happens immediately after that? Luke begins to record, this is what happens to all these people whose sins are forgiven. And it says this in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And so they, all these people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Okay, so the word fellowship there, koinonia in the Greek, means not a potluck, though they always did potluck you know, eating together. How many of you, were you it's a fellowship. It means I got to bring food, right? And just so you know, fellowship was all about it, but it's so much bigger than just fellowship or, or, or eating together. This idea of fellowship is about sharing life together. It's partnering together. It's the fact that, you know, they did life together. And so all these people They confess their sins, they repent, they're baptized, and then all of a sudden they're like, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together. Everybody say together. Because I want you to see what happens. Salvation isn't just about the forgiveness of sins. It's bringing into community, and so... They were all together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want you to understand something about salvation. Salvation is more than just the forgiveness of sins. It's about bringing people into relationship. This is why I say salvation is a welcome. Did you know that when we confess our our sins before God and we say, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? Doesn't matter what our history and our past is, not only does he forgive us of our sins, but he says, now what I want to do is I'm putting you in my family. You're a part of my community. You're no longer an outsider. You're a part of us. And this is so important because salvation is about a welcome. Now, as we see in the story, Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. But I also want to note in in, in this account of Zacchaeus that not only is salvation a welcome, but connecting is imperative. Now, there is a certain sense of irony to this this story, because Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming, and so he's doing all he can to see Jesus. Gets ahead of the crowd, climbs the tree in order that he might see Jesus, but Jesus stops at the base of the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. And we hear right at the end that not only did the Son of Man come to save that which is lost, but he came to seek. Now, I think this is so interesting. The irony of this, Zacchaeus is seeking Jesus even while Jesus is seeking Zacchaeus. Does that make sense? Like, e- even when we thought we were just like, no, I was looking for hope, and that, 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 that hope is looking for us. That God in His grace reaches out, and, 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 and this is what I think is so amazing Because when Jesus sees him, he says something that I think is kind of curious. He sees Zacchaeus up in the tree. And Jesus says this, Zacchaeus, come on down. I must stay at your house today. Now, looking at that, we we, we might think the curious part is someone inviting themselves over. Have you ever had people invite themselves over? Hey, just want you to know I'm on my way over. And you're like going, oh, crud. And I... I remember my precious bride, like there were times where like you open the oven, you throw the dishes in, you shut it because you have people coming over and and, and sometimes when people invite themselves over, you're like, I'm a little off guard and you're stuffing things and you're like, quick, clean up what we can, right? And, And so for us, we're like going, boy, Jesus was being a little rude. Why didn't Jesus say, hey, let's just go out to eat? But instead, Jesus is like, oh, I need to, I got to come over to your house. And so we may think that's a little bit curious, but just so you know, in that day, uh, a, a rabbi was one of great honor, which Jesus was considered by some to be a rabbi. And so it was like a great honor that he says, I'm coming over to your house. You're like, absolutely, right? And so there was this excitement. That's actually not the curious part. The curious part of it is actually the fact that there's this little word in there that Jesus says, I must, everybody say Must. I must. Now, that word there is actually a really interesting word. When it is used in the New Testament, what it is often communicating is a sense of a divine imperative. That that I've got to do this because this is a part of God's purpose. This is a part of God's plan. I must stay at your house today. I may have been passing through this town, but I want you to know that even though I'm passing through, I must stay at your house today. The emphasis is actually on the must. Now, just so you know, it shows up in other places. So, for example, it shows up in the the woman of the well. How many remember the story of the woman at the well? Well, it tells us in John chapter 4 that that Jesus, and and instead of using the word must, the, the translated word must, it actually says this. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And the reason he had to wasn't because it was the only option or that was the path that it was. It was a sense of divine imperative. I have to go through Samaria. There's a person I must see. This, I think, is so amazing about this story that Jesus may have been passing through a town, but there was a must that he had to do. There was a person. You see, part of the divine imperative is this recognition that there is something about God's purpose that moves us toward others. Like, I have to do this. Like, this isn't just about an option. This this is about boy, God's putting something on my heart because there is another that I need to connect with. You see, I think that in this journey as followers of Jesus, the reason we need the discipline of connection is because there's people that we must connect with. There are some people who are never going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ presented except through you. There are some people who, who, who may be in the midst of a struggle and all like wondering, I'm, I'm on the outside, I don't belong, who's, who's going to help me? That, that your connection is going to be the thing that changes things. You see, connecting is a divine imperative. We are called to do life together. To do life in community and so we see that salvation is a welcome, but not only that, connecting is an imperative. And the reason it is imperative is because a gracious welcome can change a life. This is why you and I have to and, and, and must, I'll use the word must, develop the discipline of connecting. Is because a gracious welcome can change a life. See, God still uses relationship, connecting, to change people. The early church, they embraced an ethic. They embraced an idea of welcoming others. And so in the Bible, you'll read in Romans chapter 12 that Paul encourages the church, hey guys, you need to practice hospitality. You need to be a people who practice hospitality. Hospitality. Like not as a, and, and it's an imperative case. It's not just like, hey, if it fits your schedule, practice hospitality. Actually, the imperative is this. Hey, listen, in following Jesus, because of the grace that has been shown to us, we need to practice hospitality. Now, I love the word hospitality because it's a compound word in the Greek that takes two ideas and smushes them together to give us this idea of hospitality. The first part is the idea of loving as family or friends or as kin. It's like loving people. You all love your family, don't you? you like, you know, you're like, oh yeah, when family, i like, oh. some of you may, you may not like your family. That's we'll pray for you in a moment. But but, you know, you know what I'm, I'm talking about? You're like, going, this is my family. I, I just love them. You know, there, there, are some, there, there are some people that I get to be a part of. So so I got my family. I love my family. My family just brings joy to my heart. Okay, Asbury Church, I love you guys. Like, yeah, I love you. And, and, and you know what? When, when I'm with you, I just like, dude, this is just, this. I actually look forward to seeing you. That's what's so nice when you show up. I'm like, yeah, look, I missed you. Because you're like family to me. Okay? And, and so I have that love. Like, this is my family. And, and if you're just like going, hey, oh, man, this is going on. I'll be just like, dude, you're family. Here, I'll come help you. How many of you are like that? You know, it's like his family. I'll, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be right over. Your family. I'll help you. And so this is the kind of love. It's the love of connection and family and kind. It's like, hey, you're my people. And so hospitality takes that word. And then it... Ties it with the idea of aliens and strangers. And by aliens, it's not E.T. It means people who are different than you. Outsiders. People who may not even speak your language. Or have your cultures and customs. Like, those people out there. And he says, you know what you do? Practice hospitality. You take the love of family and friends and unite it with strangers. And hospitality is all about welcoming people, strangers, aliens, as if they're your family. Practice hospitality. Because hospitality has the ability to change a life. You see, we live in a world that is so hungry for love. Is so hungry for for acceptance and welcome, and, and and really, we're we're called to to demonstrate this, and we're called to do it in a gracious way. Now we sing about songs around here, things like, "This is amazing grace." What is grace? Grace is the manifestation of love. That they're the gifts that flow flow from love, and, and we, we stop and go, oh my goodness, look how God has loved us. He's forgiven us our sins. He's, he's put us in families. He's, he's filled my life with good things. Look at his grace toward me. Aren't you grateful that we serve a gracious God who is so good to us? Well, we are to graciously welcome others. Where love is at the center of what we do a love not defined by culture or or our own history or our own wants. It's a love that's actually manifest and demonstrated through Christ Jesus. And when we begin to graciously welcome others, when we we welcome people with the love of Jesus, oh my goodness, it provides the opportunity to change lives. And and it can look look, look like a whole bunch of different things. It can be as simple as encouragement like you can welcome someone and 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 they they go away and they're like going wow that was actually great to meet them have you ever met people that you're with and and like you feel terrible when you leave them you know what i'm talking about people you're like going dude man like that is like that was like really terrible but then there's those people that you're with and you just like and you leave and you're like going dude my heart is full how many have ever had those kind of relationships or those moments, because all of a sudden they did something, your heart is encouraged. Listen, when we, when we begin to welcome people graciously, it gets manifest encouragement that people leave better than when they came. When we did family camp this past summer, I was like, one of the rules is this, like my mother taught me. Leave a place better than you found it. How you many had your mom tell you something like that? <laughs> yes, it's a good lesson. Well, you know what? Leaving a place better than you found it, I think it shouldn't just be about places. I think it should also be about people. That people should leave better because they've been with us. Does that make sense? We can be encouragement. Sometimes it's just the sense of belonging. Uh, Again, one of the ways people are encouraged is that they feel like they belong. I I remember when... uh, Rachel and I were dating, engaged, and then married. We had a wonderful couple that was a part of our lives, uh, Jeff and Becky. And it was so great because they would invite us over to play cards. How many of you like to play cards, right? And so we would play Power Uno. And you may not know this about me, but I'm a little bit competitive. (laughs) You may not know that. And just so you know, I've gotten better. Can I get a witness? No. I heard no amens. No, that's true. I, I got to tell you, I, I remember, so so you got to understand. I was a terrible winner because I won all the time. Cause you, I'm just Do you know what makes winning great? It's the victory dance. Can, can I get a witness? So we, we would play Power Uno, and I, I remember that... Uh, Boy, at the, end, at the end of those games, um, if I won, I would do the dance. And uh, I, I, I started to understand that I was going too far when my bride would sleep, like when we go home to go to bed, and she would, I would sleep with, like, knees in my back, and she's just like, enough, right? She's just, like, miserable about it. I'm like, sorry, honey. But Jeff and Becky were such a wonderful couple. Just being over at their place, not only was it a place where we were encouraged, but we felt like we belonged. They put up with my young, stupid antics. They loved me in spite of all my faults. We, we laughed. We had fun together. Listen, in our world, there's so much dark and so, so much heaviness. You know what? We need people who will love us where we're at and just be people that we can enjoy life with. Does that make sense? Because I, I think that when, when our welcome is gracious, boy, it builds people, that there, there's a sense of belonging, that there's a sense of hope that even though we may live in these crazy times, even though we, things may not be perfect, whether they're at home or wherever, but because we've been with people, um, all of a sudden we begin to develop a hope. We begin to figure out, you know what, we can make it. Some of you know what it's like because you've been in the midst of difficult things and there's people that have come around you and they have spoken life and hope to you because maybe they went through some of that stuff and they're in a way better place than where they used to be and you're like going, dude, maybe that can be our future too. It's about being people who provide support, helping people process where they're at. Life is hard and and how do we work through it and to be able to have some people who who will support us and help us as we process through the events of life, sometimes giving godly counsel. I think when we offer a generous welcome, it also provides an opportunity to bear witness to the life of Christ. You see, it's the message of Jesus that changes everything. And and, and so, again, as we talk about embracing the welcome, today's welcome makes room for changed lives. And this, I think, we need to develop the discipline of connecting. And we have to embrace the welcome and extend the circle. So one of the things that happens as, as, as we get settled in a place is all of a sudden our life kind of gets comfortably full, right? And sometimes it gets a little beyond comfortably full, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, I've got my, I've got my routine. How many of you like your routine? I'm very grateful you get to have your routine. I was going to say, have your poutine. If you can get poutine and a routine, it's a good day. Um, Some of you are like, what's poutine? Who knows what poutine is? Come on. It's like French fries, gravy, and cheese. Oh. Oh, and then you put ketchup on top of it. Oh. Bless the Lord on my soul. Oh. You're just not Canadian enough. Anyways. People ask me, what's a Canadian food? I'm like, poutine and Canadian bacon. Anyways, we like our routines. We get comfortably full. But not only do we get our routines, we get our relational circles. And we're pretty good with it. Like, well, we, we, get, we get the enough, we got enough people, we got enough support, we got enough people around us, and we're just like, we're good with our circle. And sometimes in so doing... We just leave other people outside. Yet that's not what Jesus came to do. And as his followers, we are called to welcome people in. How do we begin to embrace the welcome? I think part of it is just remember what Christ has done for you. Just remember that that Christ, like, when was that point when you gave your heart and life to Christ? what is it that you've journeyed through where where Jesus has put up with your stuff for many, many moons and He does it graciously? And you know what? That same grace that we received can be the fuel that we begin to show other people. Just as He welcomed us in, we need to welcome others. He made space for us. Not only that, I think it's important that we create time or we set time in our schedule for connections. I know that we have busy, busy lives. And sometimes we're so busy that we don't have the time to be what God has called us to be and to do what God has called us to do. It's interesting when you read through this account of Zacchaeus that the word today is used twice because Jesus wants us to understand that that the timing that, that time matters. Jesus says, I, I've got to come to your house today. Like today, like there's a time for this. That, man, that I, I have to, there, there's a time element involved that we have to wrestle with. And then you, at the end, he says um, that today salvation has come to this house. That there's something about time. Yet again, so often in our lives, we're so full. That we haven't, we don't have time to make connections. See, part of the developing the discipline of connecting is beginning to make time for relationships. Now, some days, it's just fun to be spontaneous. Can I get an amen? Some of you are like, no, I like my routine. You see, sometimes, how many know that today is a good day for relating? Today is a good day to make a connection. Today. And sometimes what you have to do is you just have to determine, it's what I'm going to do today. Today's a good day to make a connection. Not only do we need to remember our welcome and set time, but we also have to make an ask. We have to invite someone to do life with us. And to reach beyond just the people we're comfortable with. Like, I, I don't know how, how great this message would be if at the end of it we say, you know what, I'm going to invite someone to do life with, or I'm going to, hey, let's do something together. And then we ask the people that we already do life with. Does that make sense? Like, well, we, we have to be like Jesus and say, okay, let's find some outsiders. People who are outside our circle. Because the truth is, is that there there are people, there are divine appointments that God wants to orchestrate in and through you. Now, it's not that you can't ask other people, hey, have fun with friends, ask, do stuff together. That's important. But make sure you're being intentional about reaching people beyond your regular circles. Now, in a church, you know what it can be? It can be the person across the aisle from you. Because how many know there can be outsiders even in a church? And by outsider, I don't mean that they're bad people. It's just they're outsiders. They're just outside the people I usually run with. And what you have to do is you have to be intentional to reach beyond. And you know what? I'm convinced the strength of the church is found in its relationships with God and with one another. And we have to be intentional, and so we actually have to ask. And I understand asking is awkward. Do you remember your first date when you had to make that ask, and you're like, uh... Uh, You're like kind of like you're just all angsty inside. Hey, you know what? That may be, but because you made that first ask, at least for me, wow, look at all the good that's come from it. And I think part of it is being a people that ask because you don't know what good God is going to do in and through a connection with another. Lastly, be a blessing. Leave people better because you've been a part of their life. Like, I'm just convinced, we just need to be a people who are blessing other people. To to be people who speak life and favor, and we provide help and encouragement, counsel. We need to be a blessing. Because as we look at the story of Zacchaeus, we see again that today's welcome makes room for changed lives. And this is a challenge, and and, and I want you to know that this, I think, is a significant challenge. Part of the reason because um, have you noticed that COVID has messed a whole lot of relationships? It's undone structures. Like, it's interesting how how because uh, isolation has made people or given people permission to do more stuff alone. Did you know that? So I don't have to come to church. I can just watch online. Now, we... Pre- oh, good. Someone's setting a time right now. This is so good. How, Dude, someone's taking it to heart. They- it's phone a friend time. So we're going to... Everybody get your phone. Phone a friend. <laughs> but but what, what, what has happened with COVID is, is the isolation is people have, have kind of broken into their... Well, I can just make life about me. And, and again... We can do church online. And I am fine with church online. But church online cannot replace church in a room. Because in a room, you can relate. Now, when it was church online, it was so great because I got to do church in my jammies. It was so great. I could lounge around. I could carry my phone around. I could, like, get cereal. I could, like, multitask and do all these things. But I was doing church I think that the time that we live in, and, and this is so important. And let me just back add into it. As the pressure of isolation has kind of backed off, as people have moved more toward their own self, their scheduling is more around their own things. Did you know? So that this is just this is just fun stuff. This is all free now. My sermon's essentially done. This is all free. You're like, let's do lunch then. Did you know that church attendance has greatly diminished and become much more inconsistent since COVID? It wasn't super, it was, it, it was, there was a level of inconsistency before, but it is, and it is, it is cross. Like I talk with pastors all the time and I'll ask them, like, hey, how's your attendance? And they're like, going, yeah, we're running 60% of what we were before. Listen, we have to be disciplined about connecting. It was the writer of the Hebrew says this, um, it says, I'll read it. It's not in my notes, I have to look it up really quick. It's in Hebrews, I'm using my brain. Let us not forsake, I'll get it, I'll get it, you guys just have to wait, this is like, and this is my new Bible, That's not all underlined yet, I'm not all there. It's going to take a while. i got to read 11 chapter, 13 chapters. I'm just kidding. I, I sort of know where it's at. Here we go. Do, 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 do. Ah, here we go. Found it. Uh, do, do, do. And let us, ah, uh, uh, okay, here we go. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, which we want to do. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit. Everybody say habit. Of doing. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Did you know that your absence robs others of encouragement? I'm just saying, because you're welcome, the Spirit of Christ is in you and it's working through you. And we have to be very disciplined about connecting. Because if not, we will get caught up in the spirit of the time and we will make life about us. And because of it, salvation will miss many households because we just kept passing through. Jesus had to stop. To connect with Zacchaeus. Jesus had to. I must stay at your house. I may be passing through Jericho, but I, I got I to stop here. And I just want you to know, with, when we become disciplined about our connecting, transformation takes place. See, salvation is a welcome. It's not just about forgiveness of sins, it's about relationship. Connecting is an imperative, and a gracious welcome can change a life. Ready to change some lives? All right, let's go get lunch. <laughs> so this will be my dismissal. We won't even have the worship team come up. Hey, just encourage one another before you leave. You know what I want to challenge you to do? I want you to challenge to say hi to someone. Maybe it's someone you're not familiar with. I know the temptation is let's get out the door. And some of you, you got appointments. And the pastor went long again. (laughs) Grab a moment. Say hi to someone. Introduce yourself. Hey, if you're going to eat, maybe you want to bring a friend along. Let's do life together. So, challenges this in the next two weeks. I want you to invite an outsider to do something. Coffee, meal, shopping, going to the gym, bringing them to church, doesn't matter. Invite someone, like just be intentional of connecting with someone outside your circle. Allow God through His Spirit, to shine in and through you to impact and change a life because that's what you are called to do. So, Father, thank You for Your grace and Your goodness. I thank You that You're the God who seeks us. And, Lord, that same heart, You use us to seek others. Lord, I know we live in a really uh, interesting time and season And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would help us develop the discipline of connecting. God, I thank you that you're the God who brings life. So, Lord, we yield our hearts to you. We choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Eric, I see you running out the door. Oh, that was so good. Sorry. Oh, I just couldn't help that. All right. So as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you, lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a wonderful day in him. God bless.